Morning. Um, today um, is going to be uh, part one of two messages that um, will lead to our anniversary worship service. So I beg for your indulgence. We will deviate from the series on Genesis, but after the anniversary, we will go back to it. Is that okay with you? Yes. Um, this morning uh, is going to be different. Um, this morning, I would, I would like us to take a different perspective of our Christian life. I want us to be more violent, so to speak. I want us to be different. What makes a person violent and wanted to say, uh, put an end in something that he doesn't like? Anger, yeah? Dissatisfaction, okay, he's full of it or something like that. Terminate. This morning I'd like us to be violent, okay? Look at each other and say, I'm gonna terminate you this morning. (laughs) Extinguish. In fact, I have a word for it this morning and it's part one, kill. You know, normally it's not, it's not a good thing to say for a Christian because Christians are not really out there to kill. But when it comes to this, I think we should all be together and be resolved to, to be violent about this. Let's kill it. Kill what? I'm going to give you a clue. Let's kill that which prevents us from and let's kill that which pushes us to, all right? It's something that prevents us from and pushes us to. So let me give you some clues, and I want you to tell me what that is that we're going to kill, okay? Don't tell me it's your wife, okay? And don't tell me it's your husband. So, It is that thing that prevents us from admitting we are wrong to say I'm sorry to others we wronged or hurt. Wait! Wow, you're you're really quick, huh? Because you're probably so infested by it, huh? Initiating reconciliation. It prevents us from uh, initiating reconciliation with others who hurt us or those who simply irritate us. It prevents us from loving others unconditionally or accepting the love of others we dislike. It's that thing that prevents us from refusing to accept our weaknesses and therefore our need for correction. (laughs) She keeps saying that word. It's that thing that prevents us from admitting we are lost. Hmm, you're driving and you're lost. I'm not lost. (laughs) And that we do not know what we're doing. It's that thing that prevents us from celebrating the successes of others who end up, who ended up with something or someone we really wanted. Oops. It's that which prevents us from saying encouraging words to the people we love and are dying to hear positive words of approval and acceptance from us. It is that thing that prevents us from submitting to authorities that God has placed above us because we know we are better than them 
and you don't like them. Now, it is that thing that pushes us to what? Complain and grumble over things that do not benefit us or please us. Sita, you have an idea already? Hmm. It is that thing that pushes us to criticize and find fault in others. Siya kasi. Sorry, I'm not supposed to speak Tagalog because we have um, Americans here now. Especially those who are better than us. It is something that pushes us to justify our wrong behavior and language. It's that thing that pushes us to buy expensive stuff. You guys, you guys are reacting already. You know mercy? Why do we buy these things? So that people, we can show people we are cool, even though these people are not even paying attention to us. Right? Wow. It is something that pushes us to gloat over the misfortune of others. It is that thing that pushes us to insist and push your point even if your point is wrong and your point is weak and you know the point of others, the right. You keep saying you're right. You have an idea of what that thing is? It pushes us to become tiger moms. Who are tiger moms here? And super dads who overcoach and push their children to excel in sports and in school so they bring honor worthy of their family names. Perez, Nolan, Hernandez, Trump, <laughs> Binay. Uh, uh, you know, they have to be proud of your family name. If you're not doing well, you know, you're not going to be part of this family anymore. Wow. It's that thing that pushes us to lie or even steal at times so that we keep our good social image and status. What is that thing? Come on, what is that thing? Yes, you're so smart. You know it because you have it, don't you? Another word for it is arrogance, and the word is pride. You know, if there's one person who is not qualified to speak of pride this morning, it's me because I'm very humble. <laughs> you know, really, I'm so qualified because I'm really, really a proud man. And you know, I am not ashamed to admit it because I am the product of the situation that I was in. When I was, when I was still small, and I'm still small now, you know, I know you're going to say that. <laughs> you know, we, we came from a family that is really small. <laughs> big, big family of seven. And we are not well off. I am the third in the family, and I end up doing most of the chores, and we didn't have much stuff. So, in a manner of speaking, uh, we were poor. Not really naman kawawa, but I didn't have many things. 
So when I was young, I told myself, I will work hard, I will study well, and I will never be poor. And, and you know, I tried very hard. I succeeded. I got a scholarship, and I ended up studying in the best school in the whole Quezon City. <laughs> Ike, you know that, right? You know, it's the best school. And then I, 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 got a, I got a full scholarship because I didn't want to go poor. I want to succeed. At the age of 19, I was already in the top 500 corporation in the Philippines. Procter & Gamble, and the rest was history. I was very successful. I had a wonderful career. And I ended up being a CEO of one of the big corporations in the Philippines. Because I didn't want to get poor and I wanted to be successful. I had three cars, okay? I didn't know where to park them. <laughs> and I stayed in three dormitories because I was looking for women, okay? Yeah, I go to this thing, I take board and then look at the beautiful women and everything like that. You know, but you see, God in His sovereign power, okay, did not give everything to me. Because imagine if God made me tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> God is balanced. Otherwise, I would have been really extremely proud, right? I'm so glad that God made me short. <laughs> Maputi. But handsome. Okay. So, this morning, I'm very qualified to talk about this thing called pride. Right, Oli? I see Oli now. Do you see that? I'm better looking than John Lloyd. And I'm taller than John Lloyd. I made sure I'm taller than John Lloyd. So, this morning I'm going to talk about pride. Pride. And the topic for the part one this morning is kill it. Or it will kill you. Kill it or it will kill you. Kill pride. I'm not talking of the pride that, that, that pushes you to become, um, you know, the, the, kind of, the kind of pride that pushes you to become excellent. I'm not talking about that. I'm proud of, of, of the church. I belong to CCF because they're a disciple-making church. I'm proud of what I'm doing. I'm proud of the art that I'm working on. That's a different story altogether. I'm talking about that ugly, evil pride that Satan has taught and passed on to us. I'm talking of that pride, that kind of pride. I'm talking of that ugly and evil pride which is the mother of all sin. Alright? And that's what I want us to address this morning, to kill it or else it kills you. Why should we kill that ugly pride, that deadly pride in us at once when we see it? Why? Why? Two compelling reasons. One is pragmatic, meaning practical. In other words, leave it as it is. If you don't address pride for practical reasons, it will kill you and destroy you, just like that. And number two, of course, is biblical, based on the Word of God. Right? So both ways, guys, we are facing an enemy that we need to kill, and that is pride. Pragmatic reasons. You see, the center of sin 
and pride is I. Do you see that? I. S-I-N-P-R-I-D-E. It's I. See, the I, our I, is the problem. It is all about I, which blocks out the rest. You only see yourself, and the rest are all hazy because everything is about you. That's pride. The I, or pride in you, actually weakens you. It emasculates our ability to say or to do right things to or for others. Why? Only my agenda and interest count. It weakens you. Although you need to do this or say this because of your pride, I'm not going to do it. You think you're in control, but you're actually weaker because you're helpless. That's pride. The I in us makes us the center of the universe, crowding everyone else out. Did you notice it? We have a tendency to be like that. Everyone else is insignificant. I am the center of my world. I is the problem. We are so full of I in us that the people around us actually tiptoe and walk on thin glass because they're so afraid you're going to get mad at them and you're going to blow your top and you're going to embarrass them. I can see some of you nodding. And many times the people, even the people we love, are actually be careful when we're around. I was like that. I was like that and I did not know it. My children suffered. Yeah, my children suffered. My wife endured. But thank God, I became a Christian and I understood how ugly it was. We think people adore us, actually, and envy us for our confidence. Wow, look at this guy, so confident and so secure. But the fact of the matter is, they don't like us and they're avoiding us. We unknowingly isolate ourselves even from the very people we love. That's what the problem is. That is the I in us that is really ugly. For pride is spiritual cancer, says C.S. Lewis. It eats up every possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. C.S. Lewis continues, the Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and in every family since the world began. Our I is the problem. The I in me, the I in you, it is all about me and that blocks God out. You see? Our pride, not our intellect, believe me, is the one that blocks or stiff-arm God. You and I pushes God away, not because of our intellect. You know, many of you already have processed. If you're here today and you're still having a difficulty embracing God and believing in God, even though you know everything that you said and everything that you've understood are correct according to your intellect, it is not, your problem is not your intellect. 
Because as you process the things that you know about God, you know that God is God, and you're not. And you have to accept God. But you know what keeps you away from God? It's your pride. Because you still want control, and you don't want God to give the control. Ugly, isn't it? Ugly. Psalm 10, 3 to 4. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. There is no God. See, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Wow. C.S. Lewis. Those are the pragmatic reasons. And let's, let's go to the biblical reasons. Maybe the pragmatic reasons alone will convince you to kill pride. But let's see how much more the biblical reasons will convince you to kill pride, lest it kills you. What does God, through the Bible, have to say about pride and those who have pride, whether knowingly or unknowingly? God loves the proud, right? Hello, you're, you're sleeping. God loves the pride, right? The proud, right? No. God hates the pride. The proud. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Yeah, it's there in the Bible. Proverbs 16.5 says, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. What's an abomination? What's an abomination? A picture of Something that God really hates and wants to destroy. Full hatred. Abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Pride leads to a hard fall and even eventual destruction. Wow. Really? Yeah. Proverbs 16, 18 to 19. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. This is very sobering, isn't it? Very sobering. James 4, 6, but he gives greater grace, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. God directly and continually opposes and resists the proud. We can see that in uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 to 7. Look at the center of that, that passage. It says, for God is opposed to the proud. The, the Greek tense there is not just a past tense. It's a continuing thing. God continually opposes the proud. God never stops opposing the proud. Because categorically, it is the very thing that God hates. It's an abomination to God. That's why He is openly declaring to us, He is opposed to the proud, but favors the humble. Folks, you do not want God as your enemy, do you? You know, if, you're, if your enemy is so powerful like the president of a country, let's say the president of the United States is your enemy, you stand no chance already. What's your chance? This is the most powerful man in the world. You don't stand a chance. And yet, 
The Bible is very clear. If you are proud, not only is Obama your enemy, God is your enemy. And that's tough. Do you stand a chance? None. You only face destruction and obliteration. And that's what God is communicating to us, people who are proud, whether we know it or not. Now, you might say, God, I don't know I'm proud, so will you please let me spare me? No, God did not say that. That's the reason why we're addressing this. It's so subtle, yet so unknown and vicious that we cannot ignore it. Summary. If we don't kill pride, surely it will kill us. Why? Because pride makes God our greatest enemy. Defeat and punishment are our destiny. For sure. Pride is so ugly and evil that God hates it the most. It is man competing with supremacy, with God for supremacy and glory. The reason why God hates pride is because it is that very thing that makes you compete against God. Many times we want the glory. We want the control. No. God doesn't want that. God wants the glory and God wants the control, period. No one is going to share that with God. Now, don't ask me why, that, why God is like that. He is like that. He is the creator. He calls the shots. And he gave us freedom and yet what we want is control of our lives. That's why God hates it. Pride is competing for supremacy with God, for his uh, control and glory. Therefore, God opposes pride to punish those who have it, even those who don't know they have it. Would you rather be this after a touchdown? You know, look at this guy. After a touchdown, he kneels down, bows his head, and I'm sure in his heart he's saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you made me do this. Or would you rather be this? Wow, you know. You see, you know, there, there, are, there are different kinds of people in, 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 in sports. Every time they finish a touchdown, some people will even dance like that, right? You know, am I good in dancing or something like that? But some people will simply bow down and say, you know, big difference. One is humble, the other one is proud. C.S. Lewis again. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Why? Because only out of having more of it than the next man. Didn't you notice that? Why do, why do, you, why do you think we always look at outside and look at our neighbors and see what they have? Because we want to have more. We want to have something better. You know, like this kid. She's, she's so young, yet she wants to have as much as she wants to. Look at her eyes. Don't you touch this. These are mine. Right? Some people even buy the best cars. Okay? I know of some, peop- some person here who has a Mercedes Benz. There she is. Okay? <laughs> I won't even mention her name because you will see her. And, and she said, I really take pride in the relationship that I have with my husband. Her name, Julie Benz, okay? (laughs) When you look yourself at the mirror, what do you see? You see you. You see a good-looking person. 
Why do you think you spend so much time with the mirror? Because you want to look good. You, know? you don't look for your, for your humility in the mirror. You look for something that will make you feel good. Pride's chief end is self-glorification. That's why. You want to glorify yourself. You don't want to ascribe to God what is due Him alone. What is due Him alone? Supremacy and glory. Now, you may not admit that, but like I said, we are blind to it and we don't know it And that's the reason why God is putting across to us clear words from the Bible telling us, I hate pride and I'm not going to spare you if you're proud and I'm going to punish you, destroy you because it's an abomination to me. That's what God is saying. Pride imprisons you as a matter of fact. Inside your own world, while you lock others out, and even God, you have your own world, may sariling mundo. And you're just going around, looking around, happy and wanting what you look and see. How do you think I felt when I was successful? I was proud. I thought I was invincible. I thought that, wow, I'm in perfect control, but that was so ugly. And God did something to me which proves that He really loves me and wants me out of that situation that kills and that destroys. You're actually building your own world where the people around you dislike you and avoid you. That's pride. You don't know it. You buy things, you do this, you do that, but you're actually creating your own world where the people around you They avoid you and they dislike you and you don't know that. And, yes, even the people you love are isolated and don't really know you anymore. That's what's happening. Very subtle. Very slowly but surely. And, folks, this is the end that you want, right? You want to create a world and you want people out and you don't want people to really like you, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yet, that's exactly what you're doing without knowing it. That's why we need to kill pride. We are not aware that we are feeding and growing our pride towards that end. What end? The end of isolating people over and over again outside. You are locked in and the others are locked out. And you're all by yourself because of your pride. You look like this. You are not really free, are you? You think you're free, you think you're in control, but you're not. You're locked in, and the others are locked out. You think you're in control of your life, but actually, pride is the one calling the shots. Pride. Kill it, or it will kill you. Let's be violent. Let's kill it. Let's pursue killing pride before it kills us. You know why? Because pride in us will destroy our true Christian witness. You know, I have have seen this happen to me. I've seen this happen to many people. And 
Many Christians are not aware that they, are, they have their own poison, which is called pride. And many Christians are not aware that if they don't do anything about it, it will destroy their witness. And if our witness is destroyed, what, what comes up? It paves the way for a different kind of Christianity, which is cultural. Meaning, uh, I'm going to create my own God. I want a God who is not what the Bible says, but I want a God who I want, who, 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 will, who will work for me. That's the kind of Christianity that will happen if we let our pride continue. We call it cultural Christianity. Politically correct Christianity. Where the proud man rules and where God is ignored and angered. Now, you might ask, but pastor, why are you preaching this to CCFLA? We are not proud people, are we? No, of course not. I'm just trying to be sure that we're not. No, really? Well, like I said, it's time to really look deep into us and find out who we really are because this thing is very subtle. That's not CCFLA, is it? They're so focused on themselves. Okay? You're smiling, but I think you see yourself there, don't you? Oops, sorry. You know, an issue, uh, an issue of Time Magazine uh, talks about the me, me, me generation. And this is talking about the millennials. Who are the millennials here? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Peter, you're not, okay? George, you're not, okay? The millennials are here, the young people that we have here, and praise God, we have Apex, right? And I simply would like to add that in our Apex, I hope that they will address this issue that the whole world is declaring about the young people today. This study shows millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents. This may be an exception in CCFLA, but for the most part, the young people are really the, are the most in, infected of what you call narcissism. They're so preoccupied with themselves, they are so self-assured, so self and they want control of their lives because that's what the culture around them is creating them. So, before we can kill pride, I think first we must admit that we have pride and that we are proud. Otherwise, we can't do anything about it. You agree? Yes. We have to admit. And you young men and women, I beseech you, earnestly beware of pride. Beware of pride. Two things are said to be very rare sights in this world. One is a young man who is humble, and the other man is an old man who is content. Oh, not in CCF, okay? Uh, I want to see the young men here who are humble. Please stand up. Uh, I, they, you know, they, they, they're actually, they actually are very humble. They don't want to stand up, okay? <laughs> Trust me, right? I'm so glad that CCF has apex because only in CCF will you find humble young men. And also in CCF where you find so many old men who are discontented. <laughs> okay. Peter, I'm not looking at you, okay? Alvin, you're still young, okay? Where's Edwin? 
Older people are hiding. Okay. See, first, let's admit that we have pride and that we are proud. So, only then can we start killing pride and only then can we remove that life trajectory which is destructive. If we don't address pride, believe it or not, our life trajectory will be, you know, something that will definitely lead us to destruction. Right? So we have, we have to stop pride from controlling our lives. In other words, if there is a remote control, take the remote control from pride and you take it and be the one to call the shots by killing pride in your life. How? Two ways. One is reactive and the other one is proactive. One is reactive, the other one is productive. Proactive, rather. So, we want to kill pride or it will kill us. Let's talk about the reactive one. Why reactive? When you see it, I want you to react and do something and kill it. That's reactive. In other words, when you see it, do something. You know, many times we don't know what to do because we don't know it. We, we don't see it. And that's the reason why we need, to take, we need to know and see how pride looks like when it comes out. Okay? For example, in the... In the, uh, in, the, in the clues that I gave you this morning, pride prevents us from admitting we are wrong to say I am sorry to others we wrong. Pride prevents us from reconciliation, reconciling with others who hurt us and those who simply irritate us. What does pride look, look like in this case? Pride is self-righteous and vindictive. Okay? That's how it looks. What about this? Loving others unconditionally or accepting the love of others you dislike. Pride is discriminating and even racist, actually. What about this? Admitting that you are lost and you do not know what you're doing, refusing to accept your weaknesses and need to be told what to do or say. Pride is defensive and unreasonable. I want you to see how it looks because when you see it, let's put an end to it and kill it. All right? Many times we don't know how it looks and we think we're okay. No, we're not okay. And that's why I want, you, I want you to see exactly how it looks in you and how it looks in others. But before you take a look at it and say, Oi, you're proud. Please take a look at yourself first and see if this thing is happening in you. Celebrating the successes of others. Who ended up with something or someone you really wanted? That's pride. And you know what you call that? Jealousy. Attention hungry. If you're always jealous and envious and you want attention for yourself, wow, you're proud. And that's pride. Not saying encouraging words to people you love. What do you call that? Selfish, insensitive, and aloof. Criticizing and finding fault in others, especially those who are better than you. Justify your wrong language or behavior. Complain, grumble over things that you do not that benefit you or please you. Self-righteous and a fault finder. Buy expensive stuff. What is that? Pride is status and recognition conscious. That's pride. Oh, Pastor Dan, I can afford it. That's just my taste. You know? I am, I'm really comfortable with this. It's not for me to show off. I can afford it anyway. Really? Really? I'm not sure. 
Gloat over the misfortune of others. Pride is jealous. And pride is even a traitor. Pride pushes us to insist and push our point. What do you call that? Defensive and illogical. Did you know that if you're proud, you can be illogical? Yes or no? It doesn't make sense and you keep insisting it. Abasta. Uh, how do you say that in English? Abasta. Uh-huh. Pastor? Whatever. Whatever. Abasta. You're so illogical. Abasta. Becoming tiger moms or super dads, coaching your children so that they excel, pushing them. What is that? Controlling and still recognition hungry. Hmm. Many parents are smiling. Yeah, you're controlling. You want your kids to attain what you did not attain. And if they did not attain it, you tell them you're no good. You're not like me. Or your brother or your sister. Refusing to submit to authority that you don't recognize and respect. Rebellious and even disrespectful. Can you identify yourself here already? Are there so many things that God is telling you that tell you and, and, and kind of nudge? Nudge you and say, hey, you don't know it, but you're proud. And what did we say? It's an abomination to God. God hates it. If we want our Christianity to make an impact in this world, let's kill pride. Because when we kill pride, we are free to do what God wants us to do and God will use us to impact. Next, to, next week is going to be an anniversary. And I hope that it's not just going to be next week that we're going to start looking not proud or looking the kind of Christians that God wants us to be so that we can attract people. No. I hope that beginning today, we will kill pride and be that kind of person, the humble person that God wants us to be, that will attract other people to come and see what we have here in this place. Because if we continue to remain proud Christians, believe me, we are going to be toxic and nobody would want to be with us and we don't even know it. Pride is like what? Body odor. Okay? Pride is like body odor. You know? A person who has BO doesn't even know. Oh, don't look at the person next to you, okay? You know, what do you do with a person who has body odor that you don't know? You stay away, right? Right? It's, it's, pride is like BO. You don't know you have it, but others around you know you have it. What do you do? Who will tell you that you have body odor? The people who love you. Try telling someone you don't know that he has body odor. <laughs> and let's see what happens. What did you say? Mm. What did you say? Mm. Okay. That's the reactive. Now, I want to dwell on the proactive. Proactive means what? We know it's there. Let's kill it. 
But let's replace it with something positive. That's why you call it proactive. You build it. And that proactive is what you call cultivating humility, the exact opposite of pride. But pastor, I'm already very humble. Really? <laughs> that already is an expression of pride. <laughs> ha! You can do this. You can do this. If you know how authentic humility looks like. All I have to do is to point you to Ulrich. And you know it's not humility. <laughs> no, just kidding. He's <laughs> my friend, actually. I love this man. You know, when I, when I point at you and I make fun of you, I really love you and I'm comfortable with you. But if I don't mention your name, watch out. <laughs> You're proud. Clearly, you will know this if there is a model of humility that you can copy and live by. We need a sample. We need a model. Do we have someone here in CCF to emulate? Definitely not me, please. Maybe Pastor I, Pastor Reggie. Pastor Reggie, the good-looking. Every time he preaches here, he says he's good-looking. He's very humble. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I, I don't think we can find someone. Really. You know why? Because every man from birth has been made proud and humble because of his sin, sorry, proud and selfish because of his sin nature. Is there truly a human model? You know, there are very few. You know why? Very few. Maybe not, there's none even. You know why? Because humility is not popular in this world. Humility is not celebrated in this world. In fact, you, they look down at you if you're meek. They look at you as a weak person. No impact person. Right, June? Why do you think I need to ride a Mercedes Benz? I'm not looking at you. Why do you need? No, no. Why? Because, because to be humble in this world is not popular. Humility is not celebrated at all in this self-oriented, prideful world. We don't celebrate humble people. We look down upon them, as a matter of fact, because we ourselves are proud. Do you see a talk show where they talk about humility? Huh, Marina, do you see a talk show that talk about humility? No, they always talk about how good-looking they are, how great-looking they are, how you can do this and you can do that. They never talk about humility. Do you see or hear humility being mentioned in valedictory addresses? How many of you are valedictorians here? Oh, come on, you're so humble. <laughs> Marina, huh? Okay. Ah, Ike pala, Ike. Ike, when you delivered the valedictory address, did you tell people to be humble? No. All valedictory addresses point to the glory of man. What about humility in your company core values? You know, your big corporations, one of the core values there is humility. No, you don't find that in this world. Really. That's why humility, humble people are so few, and we need to find them 
and develop them. And I hope that this is going to be the breeding ground of humble people in this city. Can you imagine a humble Donald Trump? <laughs> you like him, don't you? Especially if you're sick and tired of what's happening. You know, but, but nothing wrong with Trump. He, he knows what to do. He, you know, I don't like him, but, you know, see, look. It's so hard to combine humility with all of these things that are happening in this world. Because humility is a rare thing. But there is actually a man that we can follow. So we kill pride. You know who that man is? Yes. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus has shown us a model of radical humility that we can all embrace. You see, if we don't know how pride looks like, we will not be reactive to fix it. Now that you know, I've given you a picture of what pride looks like, you can do something about it. At the same time, if you don't know what or how humility looks like, you will not even also know how to cultivate that, would you? That's why it's very important for us to have a model, a model of not just simple humility, but a model of radical humility. You know what radical means? It's so different. It's so, it's so, it's so deep that it changes everything that's around you. That's radical. Here's my proposition. To follow Jesus is to kill pride. Okay? Say that. To follow Jesus is to kill pride. Do you want to kill pride? Yes or no? Yes. You want to remove that, every trace of it, and replace that with humility? Yes. Follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to kill pride. Why? Because Jesus lived out a radical unbelievable, unthinkable humility that blots out proud completely, pride completely. And I'm so glad that this, this, this church has a young group of people and has a movement called Apex. You know why? Because their apex is Jesus. And if their apex is Jesus, what will they see? All they will see is a humble You know, I was, I was surprised. I was looking at the Bible and I was looking at the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're, filled with, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a Bible uh, a literate person, you know the fruits of the Spirit, right? For we know that the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace. Okay. Did you see the word humble there? You know why? Because humility is what cradles all of those. And that's what Christ modeled. If you're humble, you can love. Yes? If you're humble, you can have joy. You know why? You will find happiness in what you have and what others see rather than what others do. If you're humble, you, have, you can have peace. Why, are you, why, why don't you have peace? Because you have enemies. Why do you have enemies? Because you're proud. 
Because if, you, if you're humble, you have a lot of friends. So if you're humble, what do you do? You give. You seek the other person first. In golf, if they're asking you for more handicaps, you give. <laughs> That's being unbelievably, radically Christ-like. Join, I'm just joking. Like, to follow Jesus is to blot out all the follies and the destructions that pride brings. Say amen. amen. Ah, that's, that's the key. Remember, what did God say about pride? Sabi niya, pride comes before stumbling and destruction. Proverbs 16. I don't like that. Eliminate that. Follow Jesus. Pride is an abomination to God that, will not let, that, will not, that he will not let go unpunished. You can remove that by following Jesus because Jesus is humble. Pride makes the living God your enemy. God opposes the proud but favors the humble and the Christ-like. Very simple yet profound. And that's why I want to share with you and show you here's what radical humility looks like and it is what Jesus modeled. Some of you already know this verse. I have been memorizing this verse every single day of my life. It's found in Philippians 2, 3 to 8. And I want to read this. I want us to read this all together because herein lies the radical, mind-bending, unthinkable, radical humility that you and I can embrace so that we can kill pride. Brothers and sisters, shall we read this? And take it to heart. Do nothing. Wow, there you go. The world out there just thinks of themselves, just think of themselves. How have you been behaving? These past days, haven't you just been thinking of yourself every time you drive? Every time you confront someone face to face that you don't like? Every time somebody hurts you? Every time somebody irritates you, what do you do? You don't think of the other person. But you know what God is saying, what Jesus is saying? This is Jesus. He said, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Wow, can you do that? That's so radical, isn't it? You know, husband, look at your wife and say that. Wife, look at your husband and say that. Children, look at your parents and say that. Children or brothers and sisters, look at one another and say that. This world will change, believe me. Because we're not going to regard ourselves as important. The other person is always more important than us. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, Jesus lived this, and the Apostle Paul states it very clearly. That's why he's saying it, Jesus did it. And if you're to follow Jesus, and you said you're a follower of Jesus, then we better do this. We have followed Jesus, then we ought to be like him. Look at the way Jesus did it. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Look at this. 
Verse 6. Let's read it together. Who? Think about Jesus. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the God who made everything come to being. In Genesis, God said everything was made. He created us, man, woman. And this Jesus is that God, the God of the universe. He was up there on the throne. And what did he do? He emptied himself. Was that easy for Jesus? And here we are. If, 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 if somebody violates us, well, we can kill. But not Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He emptied himself and he did not demand to be treated as God. In fact, he emptied himself to become what? Man. Not just a man. He could have been banned and become president of the whole universe or the world. But man, no, he did not. He became a servant. A servant. A slave who was willing to humble himself even to the point of death. What kind of death? The most humbling and excruciating death in the world. Which is what? On the cross. How radical is that? How difficult is that? Oh, believe me, hard. That's why he demonstrated it for us. You see, he lived. He modeled a radical, out-of-this-world humility, folks. And if we are to follow Jesus, he demands no less. For what reason? To kill pride. Because if you don't kill pride, it will kill you anyway. Your choice. Would you rather pride and God to destroy you? Or would you rather be like Christ and be favored by God? I think it's a no-brainer. A no-brainer. See, Jesus was right when he was walking on earth. He was truthful. He told everybody what is the kingdom of God and he exemplified that. Yet, what happened? He was wronged. He was hurt. He was betrayed. He was abused and later on murdered on the cross. Right? Yet what did he do? What did he do? He did not get mad. He just got even, right? No. He did not get mad. And he even what? Initiated reconciliation by giving up his throne and glory to become man, to serve man, and even to die for man. Young people, I hope you see what you're after. If you're going to tell us that your apex is Jesus, this is what it's all about. You are supposed to be ready to serve others and even to die for them, even if it hurts you and it doesn't seem right. You still like that? Think.
it's worth it because God will be the one to justify you and to favor you with his presence. Instead, here's what Jesus did. He redefined greatness. You know what greatness means in this world? You have to be popular, you have to have the money, you have to have the looks, you have to have everything. Right? PPP, position, power, and possessions. That's what we're all after for you to become great. Jesus redefined that. You know how he redefined it? Mark 10, 42 to 44. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. <laughs> wow. If you want to become great, be a servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Apex. You will be slaves. And you will be servants. You know what he did? He washed the feet of his disciples. Can you bring out the basins because we're going to wash the feet of the people here now? Can you actually wash the feet of people? It's so degrading, isn't it? Here is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the people they call rabbi. What did he do? He removed his girdle, stepped down, and washed the feet of the people. That's radical humility, folks. It's mind-bending. It's life-changing. And that's what we're called to do, to kill pride, so that it does not kill us. Radical humility modeled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. John 13, 12 to 15. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord? You're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What is the invitation of Jesus? Pastor In Song reminded all of the leaders yesterday of CCFLA that Jesus did not call people to be saved. Jesus called people to follow him. And that's what we need to do, to follow him. He served others and he died for them. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the apex. That's radical humility to the point of death. And that's what will kill pride, remove pride in all of us. So, I'll close. Pride destroys and isolates. Christ-like humility reconciles and serves others. Which do you like? Your choice. Be controlled by your pride, leading to your death or destruction because of God's punishment, or choose to follow Jesus who offers to serve you and even gave up his life for you and he can give you his humility to be just like him. Your choice. 
Christ-likeness is humility. Follow Christ and you will be humble. I'm not surprised, therefore, why God, God's purpose for saving us and for choosing us is this. You know, if you are here and you know you're saved and you know you're going to heaven because you have given your life to Christ, I want you to know the purpose for which God saved you, okay? Romans 8, 29. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. What do you call that? Christ-likeness. What is Christ-likeness? Humility. Philippians 2, 3 to 8. So if you're going to become a Christian and grow, you have no choice but to become the apex. And the apex is humility to the point of death. One must be chosen by God first, by the way, before you can be truly Christ-like. Really? Yes. You have nothing to do with your salvation. It was God who initiated you, and the reason why you're here is because God chose us. And if you're not here and you don't understand what I'm talking about, you can see Pastor Insong later. Okay? But I'm telling you, the reason why God chose us is because not just to bring us to heaven, but to make us just like His Son. And therefore, he must choose us first to become truly Christ-like and humble so that pride will not control, we will not be controlled by, by pride and pride will not destroy us. One must be saved by believing in Jesus who ransomed him from hell. You have to believe that Jesus ransomed you from hell so that you can start following him. It's just the start. 1 Timothy 2, 3-5 This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. You have a choice. You can choose God. You can choose to believe in Jesus because he died for you. But it will require a lot of your humility to do that. It will require a lot of you giving up your control and your pride before you can say, Lord, I am not in control. I cannot do this. I cannot save myself. I want you to choose me, to pick me up from where I am and make me the kind of Christian that you want me to be, humble and Christ-like. Verse 5, for there is one God, one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Again and again, pride destroys and isolates. Christ-like humility reconciles and serves others. Your choice. Be controlled. Death and destruction, because God will do it to you, or choose to follow Jesus, who offers to serve you and given, gave his life for you. At this point, I would like to share with you how you can really become humble. You know, if you see what Jesus has done for you, and you look up to him, blooded and dying on that cross for you, I think you have no choice except to respond in humility. And I want you at this point to just bow your heads. Look at, in your mind's eye, a picture of Jesus on the cross, bleeding and dying for you. And unless you see your ugliness, your sin, and you see his holiness, you will not choose to humble yourself and receive him 
as your Savior and your Lord. If you want to kill pride in your life today, and you don't want pride to destroy you and kill you, your first choice is to kneel in front of the cross and see yourself as you really are. Sinful, proud, worthy of the destruction of God. But here is God right now, Jesus telling you, I am for you, I ransom you, I died for you, and I want you to receive me into your heart. And if you're here and you want to recommit your life to Jesus because you have been proud all this time, I would like you to say this prayer with me. God, I know I'm proud. And I want, I want to remove that ugly thing in me because I know, I know now that it can destroy me and kill me. Lord Jesus, thank you for modeling humility to me. And thank you for showing me that you love me, that you even died for me. And Lord, I just want to take out that, that ugly pride in me and, and, and make me, Lord, see who I really am. And I want to, to receive you, receive your gift of salvation. Come into my life. I, I surrender to you. I cannot save myself. And if that's the kind of humility I need to do now, I do it, Lord, because I cannot save myself apart from you. So, Lord, just, just save me. In all humility, I bow down to you. Save me. You know, if, if, if you pray that prayer, Jesus will accept you and receive you and you've just been chosen. You've just been picked by the God of this universe to become part of his family. And guess what? All you need to do is to follow him. Follow him so that he will become, you will become the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. I would like to end with this. Follow Jesus comes after believing in Jesus. Now that you have believed, we're ready to follow. We're ready to follow. Following Jesus means becoming like him, a selfless, humble servant who has no trace of pride in him. You know what God did after Jesus became humble to the point of death, even death on the cross? After Philippians 2, 3 to 8, comes verse 9. You know what verse 9 says? Only after Jesus did what he had to do. For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those of us who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. In humility, God will exalt you. God will lift you up and God will take care of you only if you're humble. I have points to ponder for all of us before we go. And I'd like you to think about this. I hope it impacts you. Number one, how does pride manifest itself in you today? You know, you will not be able to tell this yourself, but the people around you can. So the best way for you to answer and ponder this question is to ask the person that you love this question. Mike, Paula will ask. 
How does pride manifest itself in me today? And Mike, you answer. Oh, nothing. You are perfect. So seriously, you know, uh, ask the people around you at lunch today. When you're eating, the people, you normally sit with the people that you like, right, in lunch today, and you ask them, folks, how does pride manifest itself in me today? And you know, those people will not look at you and they will just make faces, okay? <laughs> because they know, because they know you might get angry if you tell them, okay? But if you love the person, you will tell the person how it's manifested, okay? So again, what did I do? Points to ponder. Number two, how does pride masquerade in your life today? Does it masquerade in the things that you buy? Does it masquerade in self-righteousness or confidence? I am very good. Listen to me. You know, it's for your own good. How does it masquerade? Remember, pride masquerades itself. Don't be deceived. Call it pride and kill it. And then you need to choose. Follow Jesus and become like him to be radically humble that please God by becoming part of a discipleship group or make disciples yourself. Or let pride continue to control your life until it ruins you and God punishes you, your choice. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And I know it's not an easy topic, but Lord, it is something that we Christians need to confront and do. Because Lord, if we don't, we will be shipwrecked and we can be destroyed. Father, I just wanna thank you for all the people here who saw and heard your message and I pray, Lord, that they will really see the ugliness of pride to kill it because they don't want to be killed by it. Praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.